Hello and welcome to History FC, where we explore the events that have shaped Australia's football history. In this episode, we revisit the Socceroos' 1974 World Cup journey through the eyes of coach Raleigh Rasic. Firstly, let's take you back to November 13, 1973. The Socceroos faced South Korea in Hong Kong for a spot in the World Cup finals. The tournament, arguably the biggest sporting event in the world, was one Australia had never qualified for. But that was all about to change. It's the 70th minute, with the score at nil-nil. A free kick provides the Socceroos with a chance to take the lead. Peter Wilson is coming down in his direction, headed to Rooney, a shot coming in. Oh, my God! Oh, it was Mackay, wasn't it? Give it to Jimmy Mackay scores a stunning goal which seals Australia's first World Cup appearance. Working the sidelines on that night was Raleigh Rasic, who was employed as Socceroos coach on a part-time basis. Uh, I recall that every minute of my life. I recall that when I get up and I recall when I, when I go to sleep. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a free kick uh, uh, from the left side. Uh, Richard took free kick and Peter Wilson uh, contributed to that too uh, because of his incredible height. And um, he confused um, Korean defence and of course worried him when he went forward with his presence. And Peter... Uh, uh, was one of the four or five who challenged the ball. The ball bounced to Jim Rooney, and Rooney just lifted that ball slightly for Mackay to volley from about 25 to 30 meters. And uh, unstoppable roof of the net. Uh, just, just amazing, amazing shot that will never, ever be forgotten. Uh, amazing, amazing shot by Maka. But the significance of what the Socceroos achieved in Hong Kong didn't immediately sink in for the players and coaching staff. Everybody was so exhausted. Everybody in awe of achievement. On the field, amongst myself and players, and uh, Peter Van Rien, uh, our physio, it was on the field a sensational a feeling of strength, power, joy, and tears. Uh, but uh, in the dressing room, uh, when we, as we left dressing room, you could feel exhaustion, that people are exhausted, tired. Uh, that mental fatigue is uh, extremely difficult to understand. It was amazing feeling. Next day, I thought, celebration was much greater and uh, that's a human nature and I suppose when you prepare for something for so long and that moment final we saw was an absolute blessing. The team became instant national heroes and they received a reception befitting of their newfound status when they arrived back at Sydney airport. Uh, those who follow Aussie rules or rugby league or union uh, or any other sport, everybody welcomed and everybody, their sincere congratulations and joy was something that you never, ever, ever forget. The Socceroos were about to arrive on the world stage and football's elite realised they knew little about the team. I had... Uh, 
Detmar Kramer coming, uh, ringing me from late Detmar Kramer. Good friend. Uh, he was a coach of uh, Bayern Munich at uh, Berlin, uh, FIFA coach for many, many years. Coached Japan as a director of coaching. Uh, Detmar rang me up from Germany. He said, Rale, uh, Peter Bitte, editor of the of the one of the leading papers and TV in Germany, is traveling to Australia. He said, "Would you mind? I'm coming with Peter. If I have one session, training session of one hour with the Socceroos." And I replied to Detmar. I said, "Detmar, nine, meaning no." <laughs> he said, "Why?" I said, because you're German. And Detmar and his study group wrote how 16 teams in the world prepare for a World Cup and how they qualify, uh, what system they play. And so Detmar didn't have one word about Australia. This is History FC. I'm speaking with coach Raleigh Rasic about Australia's 1974 World Cup journey. Now, long before the likes of Tim Cahill and Harry Kuehl, Ray Bartz was Australian football's biggest star. So who was Ray Bartz? I would say the greatest player um, Australia ever, ever produced. Uh, um, those who gave to the country heart and soul, and uh, Ray was exception in so many different ways. And uh, Ray was the example of... Uh, or the approach towards uh, uh, sport, love for it, respect. And um, don't forget this, that Ray Bats was at Manchester United and uh, doing really well. Uh, suddenly he had a death in his family. He had to leave Manchester United and come back. Um, so Bats would have probably played in Manchester United starting 11 if was not of that um, uh, family incident. It was on an infamous April day at the Sydney Cricket Ground that the life of one of Australia's greatest ever players changed forever. The Socceroos were playing Uruguay in a pre-World Cup friendly. Bartz was felled in the second half by Uruguay defender Luis Garisto. Despite finishing the match, he would never play again after suffering a severe injury. It was absolutely dreadful feeling and uh, and losing player of that that losing human being in a first uh, uh, instance. Uh, secondly, his football player. Uh, it was a tragedy that you could not believe it. Uh, Ray Bats was a commodity that you could not reply. So it's such a such a great asset uh, to to the community, to the country, to, to the team, to, to uh, just amazing human being, amazing. He would travel to the World Cup with the team, but only on the insistence of Raleigh Rasic. And that was one of massive arguments between Arthur George and myself. And Ray did go to the World Cup and was part of our, of our team on all, I mean, during the tournament, uh, but um, those days was no luxury as such that you say I would need injured player to go to the World Cup, <laughs> right? Uh, 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 but that 
really uh, battle for um, for that trip for uh, to allow bats to go. It was the first of many disputes the Socceroos coach would have with the president of Australia's Soccer Federation, Arthur George. Another recurring when it came to Rasic submitting his squad for the tournament. The incident unfolding in the dressing rooms after the first of Australia's two World Cup warm-up matches against Uruguay. Arthur George comes to late Bob Hawke in the dressing room and, and, and he pretended that he smoked cigar because he was a compulsive smoker and, and uh, of course didn't dare smoke in the dressing room and he said congratulations well done and Bob Hawke the saying congratulations and Arthur out of blue said to me he said um, I need 22 names for the World Cup I said I submitted 27 he said I asked for 22 I said, I submitted 27. He said, I implore you. And I grabbed Arthur for his uh, jacket in the front of Bob Hawke, and I said, out. And the boys, the, <laughs> the boys were changing, and they all jumped on a bench and said, without handies, kept saying, out, out, out. And Bob Hawke looked and said, this is unbelievable. So, so I sent Arthur out of the room. On the 5th of January 1974, at the official draw ceremony, Australia learned just how tough their World Cup debut was going to be. The Socceroos would play hosts West Germany, East Germany and Chile in the group stage. You could never, ever dream uh, to be in that group of two countries, both German countries, uh, German media was stunning. Uh, English media, irrespective of what people say, English media was absolutely, Jimmy Hill and other people, uh, they were absolutely phenomenal to us. So when we arrived to Switzerland, when I met the team, from East, I came from East Germany, they came from Israel, and we met in Basel. I thought it was such a big crowd, like uh, like one of the state league matches here when you have uh, 200 people watching the game. We had more photo reporters and cameramen in, in Basel than some teams here when they favorite team play. This is History FC. The Socceroos have endured a chaotic build-up to the 1974 World Cup. A tough draw, clashes with management, and the loss of their biggest weapon. Nonetheless, on the 14th of June 1974, the Socceroos stepped on the Volkspark Stadion in Hamburg to face East Germany. Unfortunately, things didn't go Australia's way. I'm usually a very cool person. You know, what I have feeling inside, inner feeling, I don't express that very often outside was was an absolutely sensational shaking start nil all half time few chances here and there and then out of nothing i think that uh, a bit of uh, peter wilson move for an offside trap and and 
defense didn't move exact movement was not or Germans played too quickly and so on resulted in very very dicey goal in the 59th minute otherwise you don't know what could have happened and second goal of course when you are leading one year second goal by strike one of the top strikers in a tournament was brilliant brilliantly executed and well done but the crowd, the media, over 100 people in a press conference, headlines all over Germany, just absolutely uh, complimentary that they, they thought that we are just ordinary kangaroos and they say kangaroos were very, very graceful in the pit. East Germany 2, Australia nil. But the post-match wash-up wasn't all about the Socceroos' performance. One man in particular garnered many of the headlines. The Socceroos' official mascot for the tournament was a man called Jim Skane. That's a part of our... That was part of our culture. Uh, Jim uh, was an um, Englishman, prisoner of the war, was captured in uh, France, released, went to Germany, met beautiful lady, German lady called Erika, became his wife, partner, till she passed away here in Cessna. Jim uh, approached me, uh, he was at Manly Waringa, in that area, he approached me, he said, I would like to be mascot to your team. And uh, he convinced me with everything. Then he started traveling with us, and uh, in the World Cup, he would take the team, like a team, more or less in the front of the team, captain with koala, kangaroo, and new national anthem on the back, and lemon pants, which said, Hurrah, here we come, in German and English language. And uh, he would lead religiously that team till he died. One of the greatest teams in the sport's history was up next. The hosts, West Germany. Franz Beckenbauer captained a star-studded side. Australia's preparations centred around stopping him, but those plans didn't come to fruition. We always played uh, very cautious, deep formation and uh, counter-attacking football. Uh, uh, so for Alston or Budevich or... Uh, or anybody else in midfield, Rooney or Mackay or Richards, someone had to receive oncoming uh, player on a breakaway, uh, on a counter-attack. France did that on a regular basis in all over the world, and we knew exactly what he is going to do. But when you have 11 France Beckenbauers, then it's very difficult. We calculated that we must have an always extra number, means that we are always two to one at least in that all situations. And so we maintain that brilliantly, but you will not believe we never ever considered goal for nearly four years on it from corner kick. We considered goal, a first goal corner kick, 
Grabowski and Overath scored that on, on a rebound. And then corner kick on the, in the second half, one of the shortest people on the, on, on, on the field, Gerd Miller, ahead of Schaefer, Wilson, Richards, uh, Jack Riley, Dagi Utesenovic, who are all tall people, strong, plus Alston always coming back, and Alston was just Bulevich and Alston could challenge anything in a because they were six foot two. But Gerd Miller was Gerd Miller. Gerd Miller done it against much greater teams. He did in the Grand World Cup final. And then in the second half, a bony hit the post. I always used to say they don't upset them too much. <laughs> if you upset them, you score against them, they can score few against you. So keep your cool, be respectful and so on. Uh, but the, the West Germany was something so special. While the rest of the world focused on the huge clash between East and West Germany, Australia faced their final challenge. Torrential rain greeted the team in West Berlin for their final group match against Chile, who had an extra incentive to win. That is a rain that you would never ever dream, and I love that. And I said they will struggle in that because they were playing that ball on on floor. A marvelous team, Caselli, Figueroa, and Figueroa, three times South American Player of the Year, and Chile was on $8,000 per man to beat Australia by two goals. The journalist one who had massive argument with me, dear friend David Jack said, oh, they should have beaten Chile because Chile was average team. I said, David, I'm sorry to tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. When I showed to him that they were on $8,000 per head, to qualify for the next round, then he wrote most beautiful story that that Socceroos of '74 were the greatest team of all time. They say what happens on tour stays on tour, but not in this case. So many stories still remain clear in the mind of Raleigh Rasic. Songs on the bus. <laughs> if. Alston was the leader of the, of the band, and when Alston was in a good mood, may God help you, the bus was shaking. And his jokes, his absolute unbelievable spot-on judgment of, uh, of the songs, and uh, singing and cracking the jokes, and he would keep that spirit of the team. Just People would create that that was made up. When Noddy, Alston, wanted when he was in a good spirit you could you could sense the vibes that uh, something is so uh, uh, so positive going to happen on the field when he starts singing and cracking the jokes but when Noddy was a bit quiet things went other way around and so um, he was a joker and peter wilson dry sense of humor with wilson some people would get two days later what he said. Uh, but but David, that was something uh, that this team was so brilliant off the field too. We are still very close family. 
So Australia's adventure in Germany was over. East Germany shocked West Germany in their final group game, but both sides qualified for the next round. East Germany dropped out of the running following a loss to the Netherlands. West Germany became world champions, and it would be 32 years before Australia once more stepped onto the world stage. I did with the local talent, local players. I had not one player playing abroad, and whose esteem not one player played in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Polar opposites. Right, exactly. So, secondly, first is always first. History is made first time, and that was 1973 on, in Hong Kong. This is when history was made. And that uh, goal of Jim Mackay, if I could express that to you, you have, if you watch that 24-7 every day, it's never too much. Socceroos made the history. And second qualifier, congratulations to Viduka and the team but second is second. Australia would not qualify for the World Cup again until 2006. This is History FC. I'm Adrian Archuli. Thanks for joining us.